Welcome to Wolves Weekly with me, Gemma Frith, and club commentator Mikey Burrows. Hello, Mikey. How are you? Hello, Gem. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Uh, I, thankfully, I stayed dry at the Hawthorns yeah. on Monday. Um, <laughs> for anyone who didn't see it, uh, quite literally, the heavens opened. Yeah. And it was the worst rain I think I've ever experienced at a football match. And <gasps> that's, uh, see, that's a big statement. So I was saying it's the worst rain we've had, well, at least this season. But if you're saying ever... Well, I mean, I've been I've been covering Wolves for twelve years now. That's a huge and, statement. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been some there's been some pretty bad games, but I, I've never seen the players kind of splashing around as they yeah. were towards the end. Um, I've I've seen them play through snow. That's happened before, <laughs> and I've been covered in snow in the press box. Um, but that was it was just something else. Yeah. It, it was soppingly wet. It was horrendous. And the weirdest thing, and I don't know whether anyone saw it if they were watching on telly, is that almost as the final whistle went, it stopped raining, the sun came out, and it was lovely. It was it was ridiculous. The players who went out to do a warm down afterwards, the subs who weren't used, like they were literally looking at each other going, we can't believe this. They've been sat in the stand dry the entire game whilst watching their teammates get drenched. And then they've walked, they've gone out and just had a jog around in the beautiful sunshine. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I felt so bad because we were very well positioned in the press box. We were completely um, protected from the rain. And um, my one of our video producers on the media team had to be pitch side to film the game for the entire 90 minutes. Um, and she was absolutely soaked through. And we were, every time it, the rain sort of started getting heavier, we felt so bad. And then I went down to join her pitch side for the post-match interview and the sun came out. And I felt, I was, I was going down to sort of join her in solidarity and, and get soaked as well. And then, yeah, the sun came out. So, yeah, I felt, I felt really bad. But the, the weather was absolutely torrential and yeah it was really difficult playing conditions but a black country derby and our first visits to the Hawthorns in almost a decade were you happy with one point Mikey um yes and no I think yes on the basis that I think I speak for probably every Wolves fan when I say that we couldn't have taken another defeat mm -hmm. and yeah. you know that the record goes on in terms of not winning at the Hawthorns for 25 years. But if we kind of break it down, we haven't really been there that often because, you know, we've been a Premier League team for the last couple of years <laughs> and they haven't. So, you know, they're partly to blame. Um, <laughs> but I think also, given the circumstances, Gem, like not just the weather, and I think the weather did play a part. And I think it, it was it was a bit of a leveller, especially second half. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think also because of the injuries and the situation we found ourselves in going into the game. And I think, you know, if Wolves fans look back on it and look back on the two Albion games this season, and when you have a mid-table season like we're having, those kind of derby matches are the ones that then stand out as the, the opportunities to, to kind of gloat and, and enjoy yeah. yourself. And, you know, it didn't quite go to plan against Villa and it didn't quite go to plan against Albion this season. But then if you had Jimenez, Neto... Martinho, Johnny, Bolly, all in that starting lineup, then in my mind, and obviously we will never know, mm -hmm. but in my mind, we'd have absolutely wiped the floor with Albion on Monday yeah. because the way they played, especially first half and even second half, you know, we dominated possession. We had 20 efforts on goal. Ten of them, I think, were on target. You know, some of them were blocked, so it's not like they were all just flying wide or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you're going to talk about the young players that came in. But in terms of everybody, I thought, you know, 
I want to stick up for people like Ruben Neves and Leander Dendonka and Connor Cody, who got stick against Burnley, maybe rightly so in some instances, but I thought they all stepped up and I thought we controlled the midfield and it will be forgotten in the course of the game, but Albion changed their formation after, what, half an hour? Mm -hmm. Because they, they were getting completely so badly dominated, they had to make an early change. And that really stood out to me that Wolves were spot on in what they were doing. And unfortunate not to win the game. Weather made it horrendous second half. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't quite get the rub of the green on some instances. Um, The goal is one of those where I think Sam Ricketts made a great point on Matchday Live Extra where, you know, they they were converting from a back five to a back four. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing that, it's, you know, players can easily get a little bit out of position because they're just not used to being there. And so Albion got their goal. Unfortunate. Yeah. But we take away a lot of positives. And I know you want to talk about those positives, mainly being the youngsters. Yes, definitely. Well, firstly, of course, Fabio getting on the score sheet yet again. His second goal in a black country derby. He's got a 100% record against uh, against West Brom at the moment. Uh, and it was a pleasure to watch uh, him again. And of course, his development across this season. There's still so much to come from him. He's still so young. And it was just fantastic to see him get another goal. What was he like after with you? Yeah, he was he was really really happy. You know, obviously they were disappointed that they couldn't have come away with a win. Um, but he's re- he was really happy. He was saying how he's been working really hard with the coaches, and he's been learning a lot from William Jose. He was saying it's really good to sort of watch him and be able to sort of train with him and learn from him and sort of and his experiences. So um, he's been working really hard. And he, I asked him to sort of reflect on his personal development um, this season, and he's really happy with how things are coming along. And yeah, it is just so important to remember just how young he is. He's 18 years old and he doesn't turn 19 until July. So he's 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 a teenager. He's he's so young. Um, and I just want to I just want to put into perspective for you, Mikey. Just oh God, here we go. How this young is how old that Mikey is? Okay. Is. So I was looking this up. I found his date of birth and I was like, he's born in July 2002. Okay. 2002 was after four Disney Pixar films have been released. Okay, both the both the first Toy Stories, Monsters Inc., and A Bug's Life had all come out before Fabio Silva was. Born. I mean, I, I'd, I mean, I guess I'd seen Toy Story, but I don't remember what age I was. Go on. <laughs> um, Arsenal were Premier League, Premier League champions. Um, Good team. Yeah, and we had just finished third in the championship table, just two spots behind Manchester City. Probably um, don't want to bring that one up that again. But yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and um the highly irritating but iconic the logical song by scooter was number one in the uk so that was the summer and of course 2002 world cup as well let's not forget that was also that summer um so that was all happened before fabio silva was, was even born um so that was my fun research last night but He's 18 years old, not 19 till the summer, and he has come along so far and there's still so much to see from him. Um, I can see you scowling at me, Mikey. Who's Scooter? Oh, Mikey. Like, Mikey, Mikey, who, Mikey. I've never heard of this song. Who, who are these people? <laughs> You've got to think like some serious like um, Euro dance techno. I don't know what the exact word would be, like club land. Clubland. Yeah, yeah. Like this is early two thousands. This was I think this was number one for like ten weeks or something. After this, we'll play it. And anyone at home that is not familiar just from the title, I promise you you'll know when you play it. So no, we'll, we'll delve into that no, afterwards. 
But more importantly, the young players um, that we saw on the pitch on Monday, um, it was great to see a glimpse of the future of Wolves. I mean, we saw um, Rainey and Marie had a great game. Virginia had a great game. Owen Ossoe started. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White um, and, of course, Fabio Silva as well. So it's great to see them and so many positive performances as well. Um, do you think Nuno's going to try and give them all some more, more minutes now as we sort of go into these last few matches of the season? Yeah, potentially. I think Nuno made some really interesting comments, didn't he, afterwards, where he kind of talked about, because obviously everybody looks at it and goes, you know, you're going to give them an opportunity. And and Nuno's message, I guess, has always been that their opportunity has always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had the chance in training. They've had chances through the season. So I don't think it's an absolute given that they just naturally now play and, and mm-hmm. it's like a trial kind of thing for yeah. them because... You know, certain ones like Vitinha and Aitnori are on loan. There are options there to sign them permanently. My personal opinion is I would sign them both. Um, but, you know, that, that might not be possible. We just, just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that might not be in the realms of what Nuno is thinking. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think Aitnori's been really good last couple of games since he came back in after Johnny's injury. I think he's getting better defensively. And I think he is quite unique actually in the way he he carries yeah. the ball forwards there was one run in particular in the first yeah, half I was, that, I was about to mention the same <laughs> well uh, not I'm not thinking of the one you're thinking oh, of oh, okay. uh, no, you there was it. there was one that that genuinely made Tomo chuckle on commentary where he kind of tried to dummy the ball and missed it but because he missed it Conor Gallagher ran past it and it meant that without actually touching the ball or moving Gallagher ran past him and he was able to then drive on towards the edge of the box. <laughs> so if he's got that kind of lucky yeah. streak in him, um, I know I know you're thinking of the other one, aren't you? Yeah, that wonderful, um, amazing run where he just went past so many defenders uh, towards the goal. It, uh, unfortunately, it came to nothing, but it was an incredible, incredible run and just shows the potential there um, for him. So, yeah, really yeah. exciting. I like him. I really like him. And I really like Vatinia. I like his energy for Vatinia. Mm. I like the way he buzzes around. He's a busy player. And I, I thought he did really, really well and was a little bit unfortunate to come off. But Morgan Gibbs-White came on and actually did really well. And um, if Mike Dean hadn't have pulled him back when he was trying to take a quick free kick, we had a three-on-one. You know, that was the you know the ingenuity of Morgan. That's what I want to see from Morgan. You know, when Morgan has such ability. I've watched him, Gem, since he was 16 years old, stepping up through the under-18s and the under-23s. And he can run a game, believe you me. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that from Morgan now. And if yeah. he does get more minutes in the last couple of games, this is his big opportunity, bigger than any he's had so far, to get in there and say, right, I went on loan at the start of the season, I got some good experience at Swansea. Now I'm coming back. I'm not just like a young 20-odd-year-old player. I'm the real deal. This is his moment. I hope he goes and grabs it. Yeah, this is his moment to to shine and and show us just what he can do. Earlier, you asked um, on Twitter, any supporters wanted to ask us any questions from this weekend or anything else. And we've actually had some questions um, about some of the players. We had one firstly from at But Aldi, um, who's asking about Pedence, who was missing from the starting lineup on Monday. What are you thinking of his performance at the moment? Um, I think he's, he's in that kind of spell where he's had one of those seasons where he's really found it hard to stay fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that can take its toll after a while. And 
I, I don't know. I don't think they rushed him back, but I think there was a need for him to be back when he came back. And maybe, given the situation, you know, you would have liked to have been able to ease him in a little bit more than they they eventually had to, and they had to get him in there. And I, I just think he's struggling for a little bit of form, and the potential of Vatinia, Gibbsway, Otazawi, and others playing that kind of role now in the last couple of games is maybe a good thing for Daniel Pedence, just to just to change it up and, and not he- so heavily rely on him. Because if you think of it from a mental point of view, Jem, when you are kind of not sure about your own body, you know, you've broken down a couple of times in the season. Mm. And then pretty much as soon as you come back, Neto's not there anymore. And, you know, suddenly it's like, it's all on you, Daniel. You're the man. Mm-hmm. It, it can be a lot to, to carry on on someone's shoulders. So yeah. I think it's not a bad thing that maybe, you know, I mean, people forget when he first arrived, it was January. We were deep into a Europa League season. He didn't really get a huge amount of game time. And then we had lockdown, what, two months after he mm-hmm. arrived. You know, it's been a strange it's, old it's time been a, It's been a rough him. journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, you know, maybe he's one of those that, could just do with a little bit of a break and a regroup and mm-hmm. go again in pre-season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've had another question as well from at Tom C WWFC, who said, is there a way to fit Raul and Fabio Silva in the same starting 11 next season? Of course, we're hoping that Raul Jimenez will be fit to return to us um, at some point next season. We haven't, we're not having any, we haven't had any clarification on when that might be, but we're hoping to see him back. And obviously with Fabio Silva improving so much, can they play together? Uh, yeah, of course they can. Of course they can. Uh, you can play wherever <laughs> you want. Let's face it, Nuno, <laughs> Nuno picks the team, he'll decide. Um, I think it, the, it, it, we're in this situation now, actually, where we went to the back four against Albion. And I, I thought it worked quite well in mm. that setup. I still kind of prefer them as a five. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to Nuno's formations. But there is a Nuno formation that does play with two out-and-out forwards. Mm -hmm. And it was one that we utilised from the second part of the first season in the Premier League through a lot of last season, which is like a 3-5-2, where it was Jota and Jimenez at the time, and the midfield three was Neves, Dendonka and Moutinho all in it. Now, there are variations you could do with that. Vatinia could be a little bit more advanced. You have Morgan Gibbs-White and Pedence, who could play as out-and-out tens Mm -hmm. behind a front two. And we've done it a couple of times recently with kind of Traore being there and having that number 10. So I think there's, you know, there's definite potential to play them both. We've always said, Gem, haven't we, that when Fabio first came, it was never intended that he would play as many minutes as he has. Yeah. Because of Raul. Yeah. And Raul was such a, a, a physical phenomenon that he played pretty much every minute of every game. Um, now we're, we're going to be in a much better position next year because we know that Fabio can, can do more. And he's ready to go for more. And if you've got the two of them, you, know, you might not necessarily want to play them both every game, but mm-hmm. it's an option. Yeah. That's the thing. We've got lots of options now going ahead to next season, particularly with injuries hopefully returning. Um yeah, we're going to have a lot of options going forward. And Fabio Silva, as we've said many a time now today, is has come a long way. And it's it's really exciting to see um, to see his development. And I think you're right. You know, obviously, 
we didn't expect him to play this many minutes. I think actually, in a way, like him being able to have the opportunities that he's had um, has really sort of boosted boosted that development and maybe got him into a, um, a better position sooner, potentially. Well, you said it earlier that he's massively improved mm. over the year. I think physically he's uh, different to when he first arrived yeah. as well. I know, you know, I don't want you to bring out all your scooter things about how young he is again. <laughs> But that happens when you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know, I mean, I developed at that age, Jen, but it was mainly my beer belly that started <laughs> to grow more than anything else. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think you're right in that. And you can see, I, I thought there was a, a a different element to his game that he clearly had picked up on from William Chose mm. in the last couple of months. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said to you a long time ago, Jen, that we wouldn't know the exact extent of what this team could do for a year or a year and a half. And I think we are, you know, not even half the way through that prediction. Mm -hmm. And we are now just starting to see what Fabio Silva is, what maybe Vettinia and Aitnori are, and that can only be good. Lots of exciting things to come. And of course, we've only got four games left now this season. Um, We host Brighton on Sunday in what will be our final match at Molyneux without fans, which is incredible to be able to say that. (laughs) Yeah, you got fingers crossed there for um, anyone listening just on the radio. Um, (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully we don't want to speak too soon. But um, yeah, the stadium will have been empty for 428 days Um, and we last actually had supporters in the stands on the 7th of March 2020 which coincidentally was also us hosting Brighton at Molyneux so we've come full circle um, and what a day it'll be to have fans back in the stadium for the final day of the Premier League season against Manchester United it's nearly all over again fingers crossed Um, but looking ahead to Mikey (laughs) looking ahead to Mikey Sunday (laughs) Mikey Sunday is this this an official club thing (laughs) Looking ahead to Sunday, Mikey, uh, what are you hoping for? Um, Brighton games, uh, especially at Molyneux, are notoriously difficult games. Mm. And people will uh, infer what they want from that little giggle when I said that. Um, They are a a tough opponent and they have been a tough opponent for us over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like they're pretty much safe now. They've had a couple of good results. So... It'll be interesting to see how both teams approach it and how both teams go out. If Wolves can go out with the same kind of mentality that they did against Albion and the youngsters you know, can carry that form on, then then hopefully it will be a good game. But I think you know, for us at the moment, it's about learning and experiencing and allowing our young players to learn and experience and hopefully they continue to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it being the final day that we're going to be in that in that press box with an, an empty an empty stadium. Um I've actually had a question as well from um at King Kev uh who has said, "Do you think Molyneux will be full at the beginning of next season?" I mean, it's so difficult to know. I mean, we're hoping to have up to 10,000 fans in Molyneux on the final day of the season, but numbers haven't been formally confirmed. Um you know, with Mikey crossing his fingers there, everything is still set up in the air. I would hate to speak too soon, but um, we're hoping that we'll see more and more fans in stadiums as time goes on now. Um, and yeah, let's just get over that first hurdle first of having our first set of fans in Molyneux for the first time in well over a year. So yeah, let's let's get through that first. 
We also had some exciting under-23s news this week, Mikey, which you broke on uh, Tuesday. They're through to the playoffs. Yes, and uh, I'm not great at maths, as you know, Jim. (laughs) And I was desperately trying to work this out because I've been obsessed by the under-23s and what's going on in Premier League 2, Division 2, for a little while now. And they had a really, you know, disappointing result at Reading on Friday. They got well beaten. Um, they didn't have Theo Corbinu, who was going to be with the first team. And Owen Ottozawi had played for them the previous Monday. It was the second game of the week as well. And that's hard for some of those kids. And they 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 did find it difficult. And they were behind in about after less than a minute. And that's always going to be an uphill battle from there on in. But... They needed results to go for them on Monday, and they really did. So they didn't actually lose their position in the table. And whilst teams have kind of closed in a little bit, mm-hmm. there is only one game left now. So the way it's going to shape up is that Middlesbrough play Crystal Palace on Friday the 7th. Uh-huh. So depending on when you're listening to this, Friday the 7th, and then Wolves have their final game on Monday the 10th, mm-hmm. and then uh, Sunderland will play Stoke at the same time. So it's Wolves, Middlesbrough, Sunderland and Crystal Palace who are kind of the four involved, who are fighting for three spots because yeah. Stoke have already secured second place. So it, it, they will know generally what they need to do by Monday. If they can get the win, then that will probably be enough. It should be enough. In fact, it will be enough. I'm fairly sure in my rudimentary maths (laughs) that they will get home advantage in the playoffs and then it's a case of who they're going to be up against yeah well you've convinced me it sounds complicated (laughs) it's probably not as complicated (laughs) as i've made out but uh, um you know i I sat there working out permutations for all sorts of things for the last couple of weeks. And I've probably just confused myself, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> Basically, win on Monday and they'll get a home draw in the playoffs. Perfect. And as I said to you before, it's one leg. So you get home advantage and then uh, you'll play the winner of the t- of Stoke against whoever is fifth. Mm-hmm. And if it's Stoke, we'll be away at Stoke. Yeah. If it's the team who finish in fifth, we'll have home advantage for the one-legged final win that Got and we're to. back up into Premier League 2 Division 1. I mean how amazing will that be as well being back up into the the first division? Um is that going to be really different for the team? We we got relegated last year and uh, we were really young last year the club, you know, great credit goes to Scott Sellers uh, and others involved in the academy because they made a decision to move on a lot of the players who got Wolves promoted into Premier League 2 Division 1. And, and give them opportunities to go out on loan and to find themselves football league clubs. And a lot of them have done that. And, uh, I, you know, you can rattle through the team that won promotion. You know, Niall Ennis, Elliot Watt, uh, Max Kilman is now with our first team. Ryan Giles is out on loan at Rotherham. Pedro Gonsalves, uh, Dion Sanderson. Some really good players in amongst it that, you know, are having good careers. Some still attached to the club in different ways. The, we went really young last year and we had a lot of 17 and 18 year olds and some of the academies at that level are 22, 23 year olds. Mm-hmm. And so they found it really tough just physically. Now we are seeing again, a bit like we talked about Fabio Silva, the development of these players. And I've talked to you loads about how Christian Marquez and Lewis Richards and Nigel Lonvike have physically filled out. 
next when by the time they go there next year they're going to be matching those guys yeah they, you know they're going to be 19 20 21 in some cases and they're going to be much more competitive now you've got man city liverpool man united arsenal spurs chelsea it, you know, these are the cream of, of academies. Yeah. And it, it, it's wonderful that Wolves have a chance to be back amongst that because that's where we want to be and that's where we want to see our young players being tested. And if we're at that level, it will help us attract young players to come and join us. We're already a Category 1 academy. You can't get better than that. But being in amongst that group and playing against those type of players, that's where the club wants to be going. So credit to the academy staff who made that call last year. It was a brave call. But it, it looks like it's beginning to pay off. Brilliant. Yeah, it will be so good to be back in back in Division 1. So fingers crossed for that match on Monday that we can get all three points and have that home advantage for the playoffs. Fingers crossed. Um, we had another question from at KingWolf84, which ties in perfectly to the next and final part of today's Wolves Weekly, talking about Wolves women. Now, they asked a somewhat rhetorical question saying, how well are Wolves women doing again? And rightly pointed out they've been they've beaten another two uh, tier three sides since the FA Cup exit. They're doing brilliantly. Um, and that, yeah, it really has been incredible. Sunday's 2-1 win over Loughborough Foxes featured a goal from Leo Joyce on her Wolves women debut, which is incredible. What a fantastic way to kick off her Wolves career. And then the winning goal came in the final moments from Summer Holmes, who we saw some brilliant performances for in the FA Cup run as well. Um, so yeah, another fantastic game, another win to add to their collection they've had. Uh, and they really are going from strength to strength. Next up, they face fellow fourth side tier Lincoln on Sunday. So back playing against the same level as them um, in the Peterton Crone Cup. And then they've got a couple of friendlies as well. So they're going to be playing against uh, Newcastle and Stockport in the following weeks. So uh, lots of exciting matches coming for them. King Wolf did also ask if we're going to be back doing some streams anytime soon. There's no immediate plans, but we both speak a lot about how much we enjoyed those yeah. Sundays um, watching Wolf women and commentating and presenting pitch side and um hopefully we'll be able to get some more live streams to you next season particularly if they get that upward movement that we've spoken a lot about um so fingers crossed for that and um, yeah we would love to get the women's game back on your screens so see what the and, future holds and sometimes it's just not always possible because yeah. of the clashes with other fixtures you know i'm already commentating on the first team in the under 23s <laughs> give me a chance yeah yeah exactly and like with the games always falling on a sunday i mean we've had a quite a few sunday games of, of late and yeah monday with the under 23s as well so yeah it's been it's been busy it's been busy um <laughs> and if actually if you want to have a listen to one of our older episodes on the app of wolves weekly we actually covered our double game day which was uh back in march i believe it was now back in march wow uh, I mean, I, I feel like I've done about 40 games since then, <laughs> yeah. so I can't remember. But yeah, we it had two games game. in one day. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and that thing just goes to show you just how busy sometimes it can be. But yeah, worth a listen if you haven't already. But thank you all so much for your questions. I hope we answered as many as we could there and, and got you some uh, good good answers. Um, but that wraps up everything for today. Thanks, as always, for joining me, Mikey. If you have any questions you'd like answered next week, then please reach out again on Twitter, at Jen Frith and at Mikey Burrows. See you then. I'm off to find what scooter is. <laughs> 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 <laughs>